0: Welcome to the Piggybusters podcast. The podcast where we discuss... (laughs) Fuck you.
1: You just switched from really talking really normally to something weird. Sorry, up. That's so funny.
0: (laughs) Welcome to the Piggybusters podcast. The the music podcast where... (laughs) I was going to say there's three of us, we've all failed at learning music, but we're here to tell you all about music that we think is good, which makes no sense, but we're here anyway. I'm joined by Fran. Hi, Fran.
1: Hello, Mr. Paul. How's your goofy voice? It's pretty good.
0: It's pretty good. Cool. It's well, it's, it's morning. It's morning. It's early. Um, and Sam is also here. Hi, Sam. Hi, Matt. You ready? You feeling excited for this list?
1: Always ready, always Always ready, ready. (laughs) always ready ready to talk about music. He's not telling us whether he's excited about this list or not. Yeah. Well, I I tried to trick him. I tried to trick him. Can't reveal
0: secrets too soon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we're going to be talking about a bunch of albums as usual. Um, so the albums we're covering this time are Phineas with the, uh, well, with Optimist, not the Optimist. Um, (laughs) Natalie Hemby with Pins and Needles, Joy Crooks with Skin, Lonely Guest with a self-titled album, Boards of Canada with Music Has the Right to Children, and at the end, I'm going to be covering a playlist um, all from Paul Weller. Cool. So to get us started, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw straight over to uh, Sam. And I'm going to ask him, which album do you feel was the deepest?
2: Yeah, so um, I feel like there was a really obvious answer to this. Um, you guys might not agree, but I, I feel like uh, the Joy Crooks album is probably the deepest in the sense that it feels like the most personal lyrically um, and feels like the the kind of... Um, She's very open and frank about her life and experience on it, um, which I, I didn't really get from anything else. Um, mm. It's quite a downbeat album at first, um, quite introspective. Um, but the one thing that is the kind of key to all of it is, is her voice. Um, her voice is like so undeniably unique and um, so interesting across the whole thing. Um, I can't think of anyone I've heard that sounds like her. Um, even though sometimes the style of the music can recall other people um, I think there's a big comparison this year that I'd feel with um, the Celeste album that we did on the Mercury Prize um, yeah. I feel like there's going to be a lot of people comparing those two um, and I think in general um, much to the much much to make us happier about it is this is way better than that album um, it's way more interesting it's way more personal it feels like Um, This is much more of a vision of kind of an artist um, and she feels like very in control of it. Um, Her performance on things like feet don't fail me now. um, It's, it's, it can feel it's kind of like a throwback kind of um, track to the kind of like wall of sound era, but um, she really, really like pulls through it and, and really kind of is able to like make it into her own sound um, without it feeling really predictable which I feel like some of it could have done and um, this kind of soulful music can can feel a bit predictable but it, I never really got that from this album um, and every time I go back um, because I would remember the kind of downbeat moments I'd forget all of those big kind of um, big moments like um, kingdom as well and wild Jasmine in like the center of the record um, of really big tunes and really big kind of like um, in scale, Um, and really showcase her her voice. Um, But then there's other moments where the instrumentation is really interesting on like 19th floor and When You Were Mine, Mm -hmm. um, that kind of take in these other styles. Um, It's a really interesting one where it it jumps between like cultures and and sounds from different places across the world, it feels like. Um, And then her voice kind of ties it all together. Yeah, and I've also written down about um, power um, that feels like a really big highlight. There's there's a lyric on it where she says, "You're a man on a mission, but you seem to forget you came here through a woman. Show some fucking respect." Which I mm. I really liked that as kind of like a cutting lyric. And um, Kingdom has yeah. the same kind of thing. There's there's a lyric on there. Maybe that that's a symptom fucking with a kingdom that never fought for you. Um, mm. Where it's kind of this this feeling of um, living in. In Britain right now, and uh, kind of being being told that well you don't you don't belong here that kind of attitude towards towards people that the kind of inbuilt racism that's in in the UK mm. and that we see so constantly and I feel like this album does a really good job of capturing her own personal experience with that um, so I, f- yeah. I found it really really interesting. Um, I've also as a final note written at the very bottom um fran will own this on vinyl already um <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. as a, just as a prediction and um, yeah if i'm wrong i'll be pleasantly surprised well, not pleasantly surprised but just surprised interesting um, prediction. yeah
1: interesting prediction i suppose that leads to me to go next yeah there, I yeah. yeah yeah the, um, big reveal I would totally totally agree with sam about it being the deepest album here um that was what i would have picked um i think there is some really deep, interesting topics in the songs, um, which I didn't pick up on on the first few listens because um, I was more kind of lost in her voice, um, trying to get around the variation in the songs. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a, there really is a lot to admire here. Um, I think there's a fair bit of energy. I think my favourite songs were the ones that combined the good energy with her actually having quite a lot to say. Uh, Sam's just talked about Kingdom. Um, I think it's the standout song. It's kind of a lively, danceable, soulful song, but it's really saying something about the state of the UK at the moment. Um, I didn't expect that from her, um, from what I knew about her and from my first few listens to the album. Um, And then I really like the songs Feet Don't Fail Me Now. I really like Nineteenth Floor. I like Poison. But unfortunately, Sam, um, I haven't got it on vinyl because despite those positive elements, I never really found myself that excited about this album I did kind of have to force myself to listen sometimes. And I feel like part of the issue for me was that the soul was sucked out of the album with with most of the ballads. Um, I just found the ballads quite dull. Uh, I think to lose someone was really tired and wasn't very original. Um, I really didn't like Unlearn You. I, th- I found it very dull. Um, and Sam's mentioned Power, which is lyrically very good um, and very clever, but both that and Skin Towards the End, I found them quite musically, quite eventless. Um, and then there's a couple of songs, Wild Jasmine and, and while You Were Mine, that I like the verses, but the choruses are quite irritating. Um, <laughs> so in the end, I couldn't totally get into it, even though I, I did like a lot of the elements. Um and what I would say though is what I did like on there was definitely enough to convince me to listen to her more and and I will listen to the next album she releases because I can really imagine her putting out something I'd really like and I can understand why Sam thought I would like this more than I do. But um, but it's not this album for me, but I will be looking out for what she does next. So yeah, mixed feelings, sure. I would say. Yeah,
0: I think I, I mirror that with the mixed feelings. I mean, I think I might be a little bit more generous. Um like obviously, you guys have talked about her voice. It's amazing. There's some smokiness to it that just is kind of irresistible, and um, and it's mirrored by the music really nicely because the the music is so rich and almost like velvety and smooth, mm. and so the whole thing is just like uh, honey being poured in your ear, kind of. And it's very it's very like inoffensive and pleasant uh, throughout. But I think this is where it kind of has its drawbacks in the fact that I do think it is quite a passive album. It's not mm. um, demanding in any way. Um, there, are, there's some. I guess uh, it does get as as Sam said and uh, answer the question for it, it does get a lot deeper. Um, but it, it doesn't force you to look that deep if you don't want to. Mm. Um, which, which is, uh, which is good, good and bad, right? Um, but I think, especially for a debut, and maybe I'm just uh, like painting with broad strokes here, but I feel like a lot of artists within this genre um, or this mix of genres start off with something that's pretty good, and then often kick on to something that like mm-hmm. find their feet and are able to really stamp their personality into uh what they're doing on the second album um and so like fran i'm quite excited for what she does next because for her first project this was pretty pretty good and mm. um, i think specific songs everyone's mentioned feet don't fail me now it's i think it is um the standout for me um so yeah i like i'm excited and i, I think like this uh people making this kind of music there's a lot of it about and it's a, little, a lot of it is very good, and so it, some of it is also. There's a lot of competition for for this kind of um, mm. sound, and to demand people's attention with it. And so, yeah, next time, I, I can imagine her doing something uh, amazing. Do, um, do you think, and becoming um, massive? Do
2: you, do you think she will like that? Will happen like become massive? Because to me, this this screams out kind of mercury nominated next year mm, yeah, yeah. It, it sounds like the sort of thing that they go for all the time 100%. Um, as, especially as a debut album they, they seem to love that even more um yeah do, do you think like maybe next year like festival season might kind of build up to then yeah uh, breaking out in a big way
0: I yeah because like especially because this music is used for so much as well like uh for tv events for like various montages yeah. and all, all of that jazz it, it really just has to be picked up um and then it get into the the like the culture and the atmosphere and then it can all of a sudden it will be like a bestseller <laughs>
1: yeah it's done well like a, though already This yeah yeah totally because i think i when i picked it for the podcast i thought i was kind of picking this not very well known artist. And then I sort of saw the Spotify listens are very high. And I think she got in the top 10 with yeah. the release. So I am i didn't, I'd never heard of her until I just randomly saw um, the video for Feet Don't Fill Me Now. And I think, uh, I do think she'll go big and I think she'll probably get a Mercury domination. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, yeah, I'm interested in what Matt said about, you know, stamping a personality. Cause I think it is the songs where she does stamp her personality that are really successful. Um, I agree. Yeah. And in comparison to Celeste that, that Sam's put up as well, it's it's much much better than that record. And she does really feel like it is her record for 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 most of it. So yeah. I think she's not far off. I think it just needs a few tweaks for me. Um, the ballads just felt a little bit too um, a deli for me. Um, yeah, you know, a little bit too big. So I'd, I'd I'd lose some of them. But a good album. Cool.
0: Right. Well, Frank, keep on talking. I want you to tell me which album was the most shallow.
1: See, this was quite a hard question because there was a few contenders, really, at least two. Um, But eventually, I I had to go with Natalie Hemby's Pins and Needles as the most shallow, I think. Um, That's because it's an album chocked full of cliches. And when there are so many cliches on show, it's quite hard for it to be deep in any way. Um, I mean, with a title like Pins and Needles, I probably should have guessed that it was going to be cliche-ridden. then it wasn't going to be much of a, a thinker's album, really. But the cliches keep coming. Um, I think th- the hardest thing about business is Minding Your Own stands out. And then there's All I Got Was Radio Silence, It Takes One To Know One, You Were My Last Resort. Um, so with those in the title song, it's more than half the album based entirely on shallow cliches. And the lyrics throughout the songs back that up as well. I think they're never anything more than generic, really. Um then there's the song Banshee, which is all about a woman stealing a lover on a, a wedding day, which is you know it's not highly original. Um, but if Matt hadn't asked me this question about what was being what you know the most shallow album, I might not have set off on a rant straight away about Natalie Hemby because <laughs> you know my, my my review might have sounded a bit more positive because it does it does have some really nice moments. Um, I think New Madrid is a lovely song, although I originally for the first five or six listens thought she was singing about how much she loved her new mattress <laughs> rather than new Madrid, um, which, which felt a bit more interesting to me when it was about a mattress, but it wasn't. Um, and I think when she really sings, instead of the talky singing that she does on songs like Banshee, she does have a really beautiful voice. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, Radio Silence is another one that, you know, shallow and cliched is, is it, it sounds really beautiful. Uh, she probably sounds the best. So in the end, it's very much just okay for me. It, it wasn't annoying enough that it's going to be one that sticks with me as one of those ones that I hated from the podcast. But um I think I will totally have forgotten it exists by the time we next record a podcast. So it didn't really stick with me, either in a bad or good way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. What do you reckon, Sam?
1: wants to
2: um Yeah, I'll go. Um, I get. I guess both of you probably know that if anyone was going to like this, it was me. Like yeah. going into mm. picking this, I'm sure neither of you had heard of Natalie Hemby at all, or would. I, no,
0: I heard have... of. Her, she's actually the highway thing.
2: Yeah, the highway. High... That's that's one yeah. of the main things. It's, she's she's kind of like one of the main writers in Nashville, and she's had like huge huge hits with like casey musgraves and miranda lambert and um she wrote two of the songs from star is born with lady gaga and like that kind of so some of the biggest like some of the biggest hits of the last like decade in like the country world Mm, um, have be have had her involved um usually alongside some of the other songwriters and stuff um so going in that was my kind of perception of this was as a songwriter's album and i feel like it is exactly that um Mm. it i feel like i enjoyed all of i actually enjoyed all of the songs there wasn't any of them that i like actively disliked um but the problem is is that i I just didn't get a sense of who she is as a person and Mm -hmm. who she is as Mm -hmm. an artist and it felt very much like well, this would make a great song for Little Big Town. This would make a great song yeah. for Miranda Lambert. And as someone who is kind of into that genre and into that world, I'm talking these people who are really, really great performers and can really deliver the sorts of songs I like hear. So I felt like Banshee would work if it was performed by Miranda Lambert. It's a perfect song mm. for her. And, and it, it often felt like some of these songs perhaps were kind of not offcuts, but like the sort of songs that they just write and then they never end up anywhere or they get they yeah. get turned down for some of these bigger albums. Um, so they're fine. Um, I, I I picked out New Madrid as well as as one of the, the better songs here. Um, and uh, I actually I actually like the title track as well. Um, I think but and it, it's it's so the whole album is so current country in in the mm-hmm. sense of um, it's the, the way that the songs are constructed and the way that the the kind of lyrics develop and the the instrumentation being quite simple and stripped back at times. Um, that's kind of very in right now for kind of a lot of these mm-hmm. artists that are kind of uh, doing quite well. Um, that I think she wrote quite a few of these songs with some of those people, like I think Brothers Osborne are on here and um, so some of the some other songwriters as well um but i felt like there's been a few other country albums this year that have really really shown like an individual's personality and that that was kind of missing for me um, on mm-hmm. here um so it's like it was it was nice and i'd probably listened to some of these songs again but i don't know if it kind of grabbed me in the way i was probably hoping um, knowing the sorts of songs that she's written for other people before that have become some of my favourites of mm. of recent times. Um, yeah, I'm not surprised by your reaction,
1: really, Fran. Well, I didn't it. hate In it. No. I, know, yeah. I, I do want to make clear, like, from I, I started off very negative because of the question, I think. Like, I had to start off with the negatives, but I didn't hate it. Even those songs that I'm saying are very cliché, and they weren't. There wasn't much on this album that was horrible. It just was very forgettable. Exactly. But I'm yeah, kind of glad. Yeah. I'm interested to hear you say that it's not a standout in the genre because it's not a genre I know a lot about. Um, I mean, I, I was kind of dreading you coming on and saying this was the best of the best of this sort of music. <laughs> so I, I, I'm glad that it isn't, because it still means there is some potential for me to. It sort just, of it, it just sounds like, like but...
2: it, it sounds like twelve track eights from other albums. Yeah. That, yes. And that, <laughs> it's like it's fine and but no one's picking those songs as their favorite from that album. That kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 so yeah. there was no real, real highlight standout. Oh, wow. I love this song. Mm. Um, it was all just kind of nice and there. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think, uh, it's a really interesting point that, that I hadn't thought about the idea of someone who's a, by trade a songwriter for others. And then they have to, when they come to their own album, almost learn to write for themselves again. Um, and to put their personality in, mm. where maybe they had to leave that out so that someone else could adopt the song, because um, it it does it does reflecting on it in that context it does feel like that. And um, I agree with pretty much everything everyone said. So I'm not I'm not going to talk too much. Um, I th- it is a lot of <laughs> stuff that I liked but didn't love. Um, which, mm. to be honest, I was happy about because like, like Fran, I'm not super um, aware or like I have a lot of naivety to country in general. Um, I have listened to bits here and there, but I don't really know what's going on with modern country. Um, but I think the thing I quite liked in this is um, how much it veered into a kind of a classic rock sound um like new yep. madrid which everyone's talked about like, like big fleetwood mac vibes all the time yeah. um and there was some other like at, more atmospheric songs with uh, i think it's lake air it was a very like atmospheric throughout um and had a kind of a big a bigger sound um that kind of matched that while also being like you're saying quite stripped back um you have kind of the excess and the the lack of access um, all at the same time, which is nice. Um, but yeah, like, I'm not going to listen to this again, but it does make me um, excited about one of the things that I was less excited about Um uh, your future picks, which was going to be the integration <laughs> of all this country. Um, yeah, I'm
2: not. Go- I'm not going to start picking like kind of Luke Bryan and like these like, <laughs> like, like Garth Brooks or whatever. I'm not, it's not. Yeah, that's not where this was. Much more in the kind of the sort of songs that are on here are very similar to what the people I really really like. That's kind of why I picked it. Um, yeah. yeah. But reading up online, the the kind of attitude we have towards this album seems like the kind of standard response okay. it's not oh, it's not like so we're boring yeah yeah we are kind of just agreeing with <laughs> the general public at this point which is Boo. i know very dull
0: right, right. well That's not sam me. did you did you have a different answer for what you thought was the most shallow album at all uh,
2: yes and i thought it was a really obvious answer but um i'm assuming this is the second one that fran was going to pick and that is phineas the other album mm. i picked for mm. playlist like i i have nothing but respect for phineas and what he has achieved and what the music he has been a part of for the last few years i feel like all of us really enjoy quite a lot of that music he's won yeah. like a million and one grammys he's like toured the world with his sister and all this stuff and deservedly so <laughs> love it love everything about it this album is absolutely not worth being part of that conversation i'm i'm genuinely sorry for picking this i wish i wish i I hadn't listened to this because it's it's made me kind of like rethink his kind of talent as a as a as an artist and as a writer Mm. and it's like it's like someone like it's like he went to a party and someone was telling him the bits of the other music that they liked but he he got it the wrong way round and misheard them that they didn't like it. So we did the opposite and it's like, it, this just has none of the same things that we loved about those, the Billie Eilish albums or mm. even any of the songs that he's done with other people. Like mm. he, he did songs on like the Justin Bieber album that are more introspective and interesting than <laughs> this. Like, I don't understand how this has happened. But there's there's some, there's some good songs on here. Like I say, good, probably at of push but um, like Love is Pain and Hurt Locker, but even them, they kind of, they work as a kind of singer songwriter, ballady type thing that he was doing before. Cause uh, the things Mm. I've heard of him before, that's kind of what I expected. But then you go to the worst thing on this entire playlist, which is the kids are all dying. Mm. The second (laughs) song and that, that opening lyric Bang, bang, knocking on my door. Do you have a dolly? Would you like to fund a war? What's your carbon footprint? And could you be doing more? I tried saving the world, but then I got bored. I I. Surely, I, don't, exact I don't have to yeah. explain why yeah. that is a horrific entry point to a song. And then the song yeah. does not get better from there. It's no. just so, it feels like someone's, um, you know, like when, you like write articles online so that they get um, more hits on Google. Like, so it's like a, like an, like a generated thing. It feels like the equivalent of that in like songwriting. And this (laughs) is the same man who has, he like earlier this year, he had a co-write on your power on the Billie Eilish album. And Mm. you just think about the two lyrically and emotionally and, those two things together and it's like, this can't be the same person. It can't be because yeah. they would not write this music that the nineties is nearly as bad. Um, oh God. On some other places it's, it's just so, it's just so, so awful. Um, yeah. And I, I feel bad like comparing it directly to the Billie Eilish album from earlier this year. um happier than, um happier than ever. But, um, but it was only a few months ago. So it, yeah. it, We're in the creation, it must have been the same sort of time period, the same sort of moment that they were both creating these these records. Um, and even a, there's a track, Happy Now, which, which feels very much in the same sort of wheelhouse as, as that album that kind of, it's got that like boss and over kind of thing in the background. But even that, it's like, it, it feels like, a song that would have never, ever, possibly made it onto that Billie Eilish album because mm. it's absolutely nowhere near as good as anything else that's on it. Yeah. So then on here, it's like, what is what is this album for? Like, who? What? I just I, I don't understand. I don't understand it. And um, it's I actually when I wrote the notes, I don't think I made it seem like I hated it this much. I'm not like, (laughs) this isn't the worst (laughs) album ever, but we, I really expected more. Like I I just, Mm. I had, this is, he he doesn't have an excuse. That's basically the thing is that it's like when you've got a proven track record of very, very recently being part of very, very good music. And then this is the album. um, It just, yeah, it's just
0: not, not the one. No. um so yeah i think i think i'm gonna jump in i think that's yeah. the thing about it is i agree because there are bad albums like this are released all the time but the fact is from someone who like how how many grammys did billy win for the first album that he did everything like was all over he, he won more than she did
2: that year he won seven oh, grammys i think that seven Gram. <laughs> seven Grammys. Yeah.
0: And th- like this, to me, felt like this was the kind of album that a, a Britain's Got Talent uh, winner would put out <laughs> wow. one month after them winning. <laughs> like, I don't even yeah, I don't it's think th- it's that good. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just, yeah, it's yeah, it, it it's a mistake. <laughs> I, I'm, <laughs> i just all over it. Like I, I, there's a lot of things about it I just don't I don't like, and like. This style of piano playing is rarely going to be in my like wheelhouse anyway. But it it felt like it had every negative connotation when people use um the the like describe someone as a singer songwriter. Yeah, if it it just was yeah. It was just not worth my time, and for the fact that we we started with it. It just really every time I put the playlist on, I was like, "Really, mm-hmm. <laughs> really?" And then, like the, or the, the most annoying thing about it was a couple of the songs would actually get stuck in my head. Yeah, and yeah. then I'd realize yeah. and be like, "What is happening?"
1: <laughs> that is the worst thing about this whole album is that actually they're so annoying that it sticks with you, and you fucking wake up singing the kids are all dying, and oh yeah, not fun.
0: Uh, you, you can dive in now, Fran.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's interesting that, that Sam started by saying he's surprised I didn't pick this as the most shallow. I'm going to be honest with you. I'd already written my notes on this one when the questions, um, you gave us the questions, Matt, and I couldn't be asked to change yeah. it because I really didn't want to have to listen to this again. <laughs> so I, I, wrote, I wrote my notes very, very early about this album so that I could start listening to it. Um, I know you'll all remember how angry I got about the Lord's album a few episodes yeah. ago. I, I yeah. think... This album makes that look like a fucking masterpiece. Um, Matt's just compared it to the album that a Britain's Got Talent person would release after winning it. I've actually compared it in my notes to watching the auditions for X Factor (laughs) and and cringing my head off and and, and changing the channel. Um, I just think it's horrible in every way I can possibly judge it. It's, it's vocally dull. The tunes are plodding and monotonous, um, and lyrically it's an absolute fucking car crash. Um, most of the lyrics are just generic and cliched, but amazingly when it isn't generic, it's even worse. Um, Sam mentioned the nineties. It might not be your standard sappy love song, but it's horrible nonsense. Lyrically, it's really, really bad. Um, it's musically horrendous too. I mean, I'm not anti auto tune, but the use of auto in that song is terrible. And then the dubstepy sounds towards the end feel like they've just been thrown in because he didn't know how to make it less boring. So he threw some dubstep on the top of it. Um, Hurt Locker is another one that tries to be different but totally fails. The whole chorus about Scotland burning 44, like I never learned to leave a war, is just ridiculous. Um, And I think his voice is really showing up on that song. I'm tempted to say that he should stick to songwriting instead of singing, but this album makes me struggle to understand how he's written any good songs. Um, Medieval's another cringe fest. But the worst, and Sam's already mentioned it, the worst is the kids are all dying. I think his attempt to pol- political here is really, really awful and confused. He kind of flips between like a cliched attempt of being woke and then sounding like a flag waver railing against cancel culture. And Sam mm-hmm. already pointed out the line. I'm not going to repeat the line where he says, I tried to save the world, but, but I am repeating that line. I'm not going to repeat yeah. the <laughs> whole line. <but laughs> the part when he, says the li- when he says, I tried to save the world, but then I got bored, it just pretty much sums up the problem with all of that song. Um, and yeah, Sam said again that it's not one of the worst albums, but it is one of the worst albums we've ever covered. I think it's just a horrible, pointless noise from from the start to the end, and it's yeah, I never want to hear it again. So thanks for picking yeah. it, Sam.
2: I am so I'm yeah. gen- I wrote down. I'm so sorry for picking this.
0: <laughs> hey, I, I appreciate how contrite you are.
2: <laughs> I could have gone my life like not listening to any of his solo stuff and just lived on went through life normally. And what makes me the most angry about this is that this week they did the Grammy nominations and they have nominated Phineas for Best New Artist two years after winning seven Grammys. And it's based on this shit. And it's like... That's mental. If if he wins that, it will be... I, I just, I can't understand why... The Industry seems to think that he's going to be this massive solo star now. Um, no, I mean, he's I don't think this album has done that for him. Um, clearly,
1: I mean, I've <laughs> but, um, only seen one other review anywhere else, and it was Pitchfork. And it, I know Pitchfork, you know, not always reliable with pop, but they gave it a five, I think. Which that seems generous,
2: mm, really. Yeah, it does, really, doesn't
1: it? Yeah, yeah. That's, right that's why yeah. i'm sorry to onto something onto, i was gonna say onto, onto something, something better else. but that would be
0: literally anything Maybe. else so
1: what, i think you should yeah. start something though matt you've not started as often, yeah
0: obviously. yeah i was gonna say i might start with uh switch gears and let's do boards of canada with music has the right to children and so i yeah so this is the classic album it's from uh the late 90s and i quite enjoyed it um i did think it would again it, it's so a word I've been using, or a t- thing I've been thinking, that it is, it's quite passive still as an album in general, and so in the context of everything else we've been listening to, it, it, it um, didn't, it was able to maybe stand out a little bit more than it it should do because of that, I think. Um, but it it has this very like dreamy like nature all the way through that I quite enjoyed. And you compare it to like, I don't know, similar projects and similar artists that would be doing similar things like Aphex Twin and things like that. And it's even more like withdrawn than they are. Um, and as a result, there were times where it felt quite um, empty, but it did feel p- purposeful in that emptiness. Um, as you could almost hear the... Like them leaving space after the notes, which I I, I like the de- deliberateness of it. But when you have song after song and after song of that, it, it does get to a point of like show me something. Um and there are tracks that, that do manage to do that, I think. Like um I think the real standout is uh, Roy Jubiv. Um, <laughs> I think I think uh <laughs> say it again. Sorry, i say it? Roy Jubilv. Read your Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Whatever the colors. It's the color one. Yeah. It's the rainbow. Um,
1: ah, that's what it stands for. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well wow. I knew you I'd seen you before. just think it was nonsense. I knew I'd seen it before, but I didn't. I didn't connect the two. You know when I was seeing the title, yeah. I was just like, I know that from somewhere. Yeah. Maybe it's a really famous song. It's only you when you just to, said it, it's, it's clicked to me. Why? Why? I know you need that.
0: to learn that rainbow. You need to learn that rainbow for yeah. uh, to. to yeah <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> from my child you should probably finish that because i don't know what else you're trying to say yeah. yeah um yeah roger biff okay um Sorry,
0: but i yeah like this is one of the favorite songs i've heard of this kind of like uh electronic trip poppy uh, kind of music it's the synth melody that kind of is driven throughout it, it has this very like early 80s Giorgio Morador kind of vibe, but then it's incorporating these beats on top of it. Um, And so this kind of mashing it all together. It's like it sounds very of its time, but also very not at the same time. Um, So it all builds something very enjoyable. And there's a bunch of other tracks that I I really enjoy. Um, Like 6010, 6010, And, yeah, a couple others. And I think a lot of the time that I do enjoy it most is when there's vocals getting involved. And, Mm. again, the vocals are really interesting because they sound like something recording onto, like, an answering machine, and then it's being (laughs) fast-forwarded. So they're, like, barely there, but they are there and they are doing something. Um, And so it just adds it all together. So, I yeah, like, I really dug this album. And I was not sure about it because of the name. And then I was pleasantly surprised. I was, to be honest, I hadn't heard nothing about it and thought, based on the name, it was going to be some like weird indie rock project. And it definitely wasn't.
1: I feel like, as that's my pretty much my first note, I'll jump in. Um, First thing I'd say about Boards of Canada was how surprised I was when I heard them because I've been hearing the awful, awful band name for a long time. And I always assumed it was like some dad rock, prog rock band that i would hate with lots you know men with long hair and, and yeah. guitar solos that went on for hours but so it was a pleasant surprise to realize it was something much more interesting and influential than that i think it's it's clear that it's a very influential album um it's hard not to hear the likes of Forte and, and bonobo in this yeah. music as well as some earlier bands like uncle i'm not sure who came first uncle or or these but i can certainly hear a crossover there um but you know as i as always happens when we talk about an electronic album i admit that i'm grossly unqualified to give too much of a in-depth review um i don't think there's loads i can say about it on a technical level but in terms of sort of electronic largely instrumental albums we've featured it's definitely been one of listenable and easy to appreciate for me but then at the same time it always felt like it was missing something well not always but a lot of the time it felt like it was missing something it's like a a really nice meal that you forgot to season at the the end there's just there's just no (laughs) spice to it um I think if it was like a 30, 40 minute album, that might not have felt so stark to me, the fact that it felt like it was missing something, but it is very, very long. Um, so by the end, I'm sort of crying out for a, a bit more to it. Um, but then I know that's a me thing. It's a lyrics thing. And, and I know that's just me. So I can definitely see why this is so regarded. And I think it's it was, I'm glad that we listened to it. Um, but that's probably all I've got to say. Sal? Cool.
2: I'm, I'm surprised you liked it as much as, you're saying I, I mm. thought you wouldn't like this, but um, that's a, I'm pleasantly surprised. Um, okay. I, I really enjoyed this. Um, It was like, to me, it just was so like de-stress moment for me, like through this mm. whole playlist. I think sometimes uh, electronic music like this, where it's very long and there's lots of droning things, I think it can feel a bit stressful sometimes um, when there's kind of lots of layers. Um, but this, mm. I just didn't get that. Like something like "Smokes Quantity," that could easily feel quite exhausting. Um, the way that there's like the droning guitar and the, the the droning noises in the background, but I just found it so soothing, and I, I I really enjoyed kind of just sitting there while life is happening around me, whether I'm working or like kind of just doing something else. And then just the music just seemed to like keep me chilled out, um, which I quite liked. That was a unique experience for yeah. usually, especially compared to last month. Um, <laughs> but um, I do—I'm surprised no one's mentioned the song that does have some lyrics on it that just has endless counting up. And then <laughs> random numbers, and then they say orange like 16 times. Um, cause I thought you two would definitely mention that, but I, I just found it like hypnotic. Like it was like this like mantra going through my head. Like,
0: yeah, I have
2: no idea what they're, yeah. what, what they're trying to say. If, if they are trying to say anything, or if it is just like kind of stock, uh, like a stock sound of like someone talking, but yeah, I found it like kind of like someone was with me and it was like this like moment of like being like hypnotized by the music, yeah, um, yeah. which I really enjoyed. Um, I think I agree with both of you um, in terms of, I think there are times when it could do with vocals. It could do with, mm. uh, and I, it's so layered the sound, like thinking of the era I could, I could really imagine someone like Bjork um, mm. singing over this and, um, from the kind of post homogenic era, which was about the Mm. same time. Um, That kind of, those kind of, like you said, that like trip hop kind of era of this electronic music. um, And there'll there'll be other people that could possibly have done that. Um, Yeah. The only only problem I found um, outside of that was that there were a couple of songs that I think listening in 2021, sound kind of like, you know, like royalty free YouTube music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah and, yeah. and I feel like the problem that that isn't a bad thing about this album. I feel like it's more of a comment on the fact that this album is the sort of thing that those royalty free music try to re- replicate that kind yeah, of mood. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it is a classic. If this had been released this year, I do feel like that would be a, a problem and it would sound like that. But um, yeah. yeah, I, 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 I really enjoyed it and I found it really kind of chill out moment. And I just liked sitting there and just relaxing to it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's quite nice. It did,
0: like did feel like a buffer against the world. Yeah. yeah. Just like almost defense. It kind of yeah. calmed
2: me down after listening to that Phineas album.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. Oh, well, this thumbs up for the classic, which is not actually that, uh, common. Um, no. well with one more album, Fran, do you want us, do you want to kick us off with the uh, lonely guest?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, um, other than one song off the joy crooks album, um, kingdom, I'd say pretty much all of my favorite songs from the playlist were, were here on this lonely guest, um, album um i enjoyed the mix of styles and genres um and i like the way that the guests are used kind of sparingly um i think christmas trees is great i really enjoyed um i I forgot his name now but the guy from maximo park coming and using one of his classic paul smith coming and using one of his classic lines from one of his classic songs in a totally different context the line um i hope that i'm still alive next year i think it's very differently used in this song and i I really like that um I enjoyed Pay My Taxes. I enjoyed Move Me. Um, On A Move, Pipe Dreams. I like Pre-War Tension, which has a very brief Joe Talbot from Idols um, verse, which is probably about as much Joe Talbot as as Sam can stomach. Um, (laughs) I think each song has its own little thing that makes it special. I think they're they're all kind of loosely linked by the presence of Tricky and general trip-hop influence. And I also think that um, the singer martyr who keeps popping up throughout. She's probably the, the most used guest, um, has a really captivating voice. But then as an album, I'm not really sure it feels all that whole or developed. Um, It feels a little bit like some mates popping by to see Tricky and throwing down a verse, but not like there was an aim or a plan for the project, Um, which I think is a shame in the end. Because I think mean, there's the beginnings of something really good here, but it needs fleshing out. I think we talk a lot about this a lot when we feature collaborative albums, like whether they feel complete, whether they feel, whether that matters and and, and whether it feels like an album or just a clip of songs. Um, and I think maybe because of the way we are, we, you know, we do a podcast about albums. Maybe we, we're a bit more married to the album format than some people. Maybe it's okay that this is just a lot of good songs, but I think the lack of cohesion prevents me from really engaging with it in the way that I could have. Um, I don't think it'll be like, Making it in my end of year list, so I'd be going back to it. And I think my main thing is I'd kind of enjoy certain songs at certain times, but it'd be rare that I would be sort of sucked in by the whole thing. So, yeah, I think there's some really good stuff on there, um, but I would have liked a bit more, a bit more care around the whole album as a project. I think.
0: Sure, I'll, I'll jump in. Um, I also agree. Like, it's it's a super interesting project with this li- big list of collaborators. Mm. Um, I think. The comparison I was making when I was thinking about this was everything is recorded, um, yeah. which is kind of alluding to. And I, I do agree. It suffers from the similar issues. I don't think it reaches quite the same heights as everything is recorded. But it is that trying to achieve that consistent tone while having all these different people come and, and bring what they bring. And I think it, it does it fairly well. Um, and I th- I would maybe say that this is maybe more cohesive than that album. Um, because there is this kind of ghostly, otherworldly tone that's throughout it. But then each it's very clear that each artist is able to bring what they bring to the table and put their thumbprint on the on this individual songs. Mm. I think the thing that actually kind of held it back from being more cohesive is its length, because it is so short. And, yeah. and it's rare that I complain about an album being too short, but... I think as a body of work, if it just had more bulk to it, a mm. couple more tracks, it could have more momentum. You could stick more tracks that have a similar vibe together to allow it to like ebb and flow. Um, and instead you get kind of harsh cuts between some of the songs as you switch vibe quite, quite drastically. Mm-hmm. And then as much as I like every song, it's, it comes and then it's gone. And I'm like, okay, we're done. I I guess I could either re-listen to the thing, or I could move on. Um, and I like that's not the choice I want to make. I want to I want to keep listening and carry on on the journey. Um, but yeah, it was. I I enjoyed this a lot. Okay. Sam.
1: That that was a sudden pivot there, Matt. I just want to point. Out, it sounded like you were getting quite negative, and then you finished with, "I enjoyed this a lot." So yeah,
0: well. i'm a man of multitudes
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah um i i i kind of agree with what both of you are saying really um it's it's definitely the most interesting like musically on the whole playlist Mm -hmm. of terms of Mm -hmm. but it, it is also the hardest to pin down um i think I I totally agree that it's too short. um I think I think it's over before it properly gets going, and I, I found mm. that a really difficult point to go. I'd listen to it, and I'm like, oh, this is this is interesting. Now I'm I'm getting into, and then the the Boards of Canada album would start, and I was like, oh, okay, now I've got an hour of that instead whereas there was like 20 minutes of this i think it is like 25 minutes long yeah it's 25 minutes um, yeah. which i just i just don't think as a listener it it's enough to stand together as an album it is it's a set of singles um which is fine um and I, there was lots of songs i really liked I, I do like that uh the pre-war tension song um mm. i just I, I do think that it would be better if that guy from idols wasn't yammering on at the start Um, (laughs) because the rest of the song is really good and really interesting. I think Marta is, is the star of the album. Um, And personally it's like, would I have enjoyed this more if it was just her and tricky and it was like the same kind of songs, um, but a bit more fleshed out and like just their album um, I might have done. Um, But then you wouldn't get other things. Like I feel like pay my taxes is really, really interesting song um, and it's really subtle and a real kind of sudden change of pace. Um, and yeah, like that's, it has such a personal performance in that, um, from the, the singer, the guest on it, but I, it, it just, to me, it just never quite made sense as an album. Um, mm-hmm. it felt like a playlist of random stuff. Whereas I, I do think that the, everything is recorded, um, the most direct comparison, um, felt more like one person's vision i I didn't get that sense from this at all really um this felt a bit more like i mean you're gonna kick off i could dare to compare it to that this felt way more like those recent kind of gorillas albums which were Mm. basically just singles after single 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 with random people and then stick it (laughs) on an album um and yeah. I, I feel like the music here is way better than that. It it deserves more of a yeah. a, a thing. I, I didn't get a whole sense of the theme. I didn't get an overarching kind of um mood to the records front to end. Um and maybe that's okay. Um but also I wonder whether I just whether whether I'll go back to this at all because it mm-hmm. didn't hook me as an album.
1: Um yeah. I think that's a really interesting point about it. The songs feel like they deserve more, almost, don't they? I think that's a really good. I think I'm thinking again of pre-war tension, and say as someone who does enjoy Joe Joe Talbot on occasion, it felt like he starts that song off, and then as someone who's interested in him as a guest on the album, you're waiting for him to come back,
2: and he doesn't. And then then it just
1: moves on to something else. Yeah, moves on to someone else, and you're like, "Well, when's his next verse?" And then you're onto a new song, and it's a different vibe. But all of those songs individually, like "Pay My Taxes," is fantastic. But it sounds more like it's off like the Sampha album, or the Everything Is Recorded album. Yeah. Um, yeah, And they all, they're all just sort of, yeah. This is this could be a great project on its own, like a tricky and Paul Smith and Maximo Park album, be great. But instead, we've got little bits of all these different potential albums rather than an album. I think.
0: Yeah, it, um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do next. Like, does this project kind of carry on, and how they refine it.
1: Have, have I seen any reviews of it? Or if anyone, you know, do you know if there's nope. no idea? No. Nope. No. Nothing. No, me neither. Well, that's an interesting conversation I just brought up there. Yeah, that. yeah. <laughs>
0: Good job. <laughs> um, okay, well, we've kind of reached the end of this part. Um, what did you all think of the uh, playlist in a whole? I enjoyed this quite a lot. I would
2: say um, it was way more enjoyable than last month. Well, that's not a surprise but i actually i actually did i actually did enjoy it um even though there was one very obvious problem with the whole playlist um, yeah. <laughs> i yeah there was lots there was lots to get into and actually the albums when I'd go back to them I did enjoy them more than I remembered each time so it kind of was mm-hmm. like i yeah I kind of got more out of it the more I put in um, yeah And, yeah, it was nice and varied, it felt like. There was um, a lot of different things going on. Um, What was your favourite, Sam? Um, I'd probably say the Joy Crooks was my favourite, but, um, yeah, I I do like the Natalie Hemby and I do like the Boards of Canada, but I feel like the Joy Crooks is something that, outside of the playlist and outside of doing it for this, um, I feel like that's going to be one that, into next year i probably listen to a lot more once once yeah. she kind of gets going a bit more
0: um yeah is she gonna be eligible for next year's mercury i'd yeah. assume so yeah, yeah. I, I never follow the dates <laughs> I mean, yeah. she's well within the dates yeah, yeah, it, yeah it was yeah. only a yeah. few
2: weeks ago that the album came out well ago. Okay.
0: yeah cool um,
1: um me personally it, I, it'd be bottom bottom 10 percent of our playlists that we've done um I just didn't want to go back to it. I was just very bored. Um, I found most of the albums boring, um, in, in some parts, even though there were standout moments on a few of them, but yeah, yeah, it was, a, it was a force myself to listen to playlist. Um, or, you know, some good stuff on the joy crooks board to kind of, I thought was interesting, but I won't listen to it again. Lonely guest was probably my favorite, but again, all the issues we just pointed out there. So yeah, not, not yeah. one of my favorites.
0: I, yeah, I, it, I'm in two minds about it because it's. It, I think it's really what Sam said. This album is full of growers and mm. I I found myself like really starting to like the albums when I was completely running out of stamina for listening to these <laughs> albums anymore because yeah. they're all so like, the ones I liked are very passive and the, and so I'd end up liking a lot of the stuff but the, there was never any moments where I was just like, I can't wait to get to this. mm yeah um, the co- the closest was the <laughs> the rainbow Song <laughs> on <laughs> on bo- on boards of Canada because I was generally, like I look forward to getting to that song um but but there's a long way to get to that um mm-hmm. and so it it just ends up being I think the music for mo- the majority of this in other contexts it would have been contribute to much better playlists. But the fact that they're all together mm. um just kind of drags it down, anchors it down a bit. Um which is a shame. Yeah. But yeah. I think that majority of these I'm like excited to listen to follow up albums, which which is is exciting but also not that exciting after listening to all this music <laughs> for a month.
1: <laughs> and you will have forgotten motion by the time the next album comes out. So
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Well, let's switch gears and I'm going to talk about Paul Weller now, which is hopefully a lot more exciting than uh, what we've been covering. And it's definitely going to be a bit more immediate, I hope. Um, and so for like context with my his- like my history of Paul Weller, like growing up, um, my dad was i think i've met i talked about my dad and music quite a lot in these sections because he was the dominant music force in our household he would whenever he was home he had the control of the hi-fi would be playing david bowie or classic rock and that was it and so i generally hated those at the time i've come come around uh to to like a lot of it now but it took a while um but whenever he was out or he was working or whatever And that's when, well, it was actually mostly me at that point putting music on. But whenever my mom got a shout, um, it was nothing but good music, really. I I was really into the older bands that she was into. Um, And there was kind of an interesting dichotomy with the music I was getting into, like all the kind of mod revival stuff and all the indie rock Um, and while she was playing things like the jam and the specials and talking heads and that's what she was bringing and it was like all the bands i was listening to were obviously directly influenced by that um and so yeah obviously paul Paul is central to that kind of the indie rock and the mod revival scene like he's he's called the mod father for a reason um and really the, the jam was what grabbed me first because of how kind of brash and in-your-face, but also, like, it has this political underbelly to it as well, which was, like, I wasn't thinking about at the time, but definitely helped start to indoctrinate me and in like, more uh, thinking a bit more about um, what the music's saying and not just enjoying the, the, the rhythms and things like that. Um, although they're still the most important part of the music Um, and then also as I like listen to the jam more I realize it isn't just like the stereotypical rock music punk rock it has all these extra like elements added and they're like using organs and stuff like that and it's almost um, as you listen later into their like uh, collection of music there's more R&B influence and things like that Um, and then I started to listen more to like things like the style council. And so in this list, I've kind of organized it very chronologically for a reason, because Mm. you can see the kind of evolution of him as an artist and his interests. And as he gets into style council, it's this like very 80s sound. Um, And for me that like really opened my eyes to a whole like generation of pop music that initially I just thought was incredibly cheesy. Um, but then I realized there's some, like, real soul behind it um, and obviously sk- skill as well. Um, and then as I, uh, like, attempted to pick up a guitar in my teens, mm-hmm. it was Paul, we- Paul Weller songs I was trying to learn how to play for all his solo stuff, like um, like Broken Stones and Wildwood, because um, he has such a, like considering he's going from these songs like Eaton Rifles, which are so brash and, uh, they have such a, um, message behind them. And then he's writing some of this like really quiet, intimate, beautiful guitar pieces, like with, uh, yeah, with Broken Stones and Wildwood. Um, and even with, um, so the version of Ever Changing Moods that I put on was not the most commonly played on the radio one. It's his, uh, like the piano version because I think it's a lot more poignant and it has a lot more meaning behind it. I think the, the lyrics are really interesting in that song and having just the more kind of shift in tone from like, hey, this is a pop song to this kind of um, very almost sad and despairing piano um, really changes the song in an interesting way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just amazed also like he's still pumping stuff out um mm-hmm. like over the past four years he's released four albums uh a movie soundtrack a live cd and when this comes out there'll be a reworking of a ton of his classics with a orchestra and mm-hmm. that's within the past four years and mm-hmm. like i wouldn't say that his new albums are as good as his older ones but there's always one or two tracks i really enjoy um and so i tried to reflect that as as the playlist went on um but yeah, like he's he's been a massive influence on not just him directly, but indirectly through all these bands that I have listened to throughout my years. And I just yeah, I think he is almost underrated and not held up as high as he should be um, for his influence. Um, but yeah, I'm curious like how familiar you guys are, how much you enjoyed of this because a lot of it is tracks you maybe know already. Um, and whether there were any like favorite time periods or songs that uh, stuck out to you? Um, you you Want to, to jump in? Um, Sam.
2: Yeah. Um. Yeah. So obviously, I do. I would recognise some of this. Um. But I was quite surprised by as soon as it hit the Style Council era of the songs, I was like. I know every single one of these and I have very vivid memories of hearing this at home. And so my only kind of connection to Paul Weller is that era of um, the style council is the only thing of his that would have been played in our house at all. Um, Like my, my dad and my mum, they would put, I think it would have probably been a greatest hits on um, probably just the style council greatest hits or something like that. Um, And so those songs, I was like, wow, I've I've not heard them in a long time, but I was like instantly taken back to that. Um and I, I find it so fascinating his kind of trajectory through the th- through the eras because they like the three kind of sections of the career that you've shown in the playlist he sounds completely different, not just Mm. like as a singer, he sounds completely different because he's delivering in a different genre base, basically Um, there's links between them. And obviously his kind of guitar playing and his, his kind of talent as a musician, but it's really interesting how he kind of manages to capture the new style with each era of his career. Um, So the way that he performs the songs is so kind of drastically different, which is shows like how, how great he is as a, as a singer and as as a performer as well um yeah i i personally i i would i was more drawn to the style council era just because i knew those songs more um yeah. and i do think he probably um i preferred the stuff in the bands than him solo the 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 songs later in the playlist um but like i picked out sunflower that felt like that was kind of more like psychedelic and and even in his like solo era, those songs all sounded quite different to each other as well. And he's clearly so um, he's clearly such a music person and loves so many different styles and genres and loves kind of trying them out and incorporating them in his, in his sound. And so, yeah, you can hear his influence and you can hear how, um, how much respect he has for other musicians and other other styles of music um so yeah i i really enjoyed this i thought it was a really interesting thing um i do get annoyed about the way he says um speak like a child um, yeah. and i'd forgotten about being annoyed <laughs> about that until this it's like <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense like why is he saying it like that um but yeah i enjoyed it <laughs> other, other yeah. than that
0: that's one
1: small thing, isn't it, really? Oh, yeah, totally. It's not too bad.
0: <laughs> it's, it's quite funny, like, when he change. It's not just that musically he changes and his voice changes. He, like, within a couple years between albums, he completely changes the way he looks as well. And so, yeah. like, mm-hmm. after the ending of the, the jam... Like, in the jam, he looked like a punk rocker. And then all of a sudden, he's, like, this smooth 80s guy. He looks like he's straight from, uh, like, uh, Duran Duran and it's just such a sharp turn but he's like following the trends and obviously worked and what do you reckon Fran
1: yeah so for, firstly i was just really quite fascinated and surprised when you chose paul weller because um i've known you for you know nearly 15 years now and all we ever talk about is music really and i don't yeah. think we've ever spoken about him um So what I was trying to figure out was whether I was just forgetting some conversations we'd had about him or whether maybe at some point you'd been trying to hide your love for Weller because you were a little bit bit ashamed. Um, I used to play Paul Weller at uh, uni. Did you? I don't remember ever hearing you play him. Um, I used to play
0: the As Is Now album, which is one track is featured on this.
1: So maybe it's some of the Weller that I'm less familiar with that you were playing then, so I didn't really pick up on it. But if we'd have been doing this podcast 20 years ago, uh, Weller would have been on my list for a while of as well. I think I went through a period of being totally obsessed with, with all of his music at that time, particularly the jam. Um, I was a big fan of the jam. Um, I can definitely say that this is the first why I love playlist anyone else created over, over than me where I've known every single word um, straight <laughs> away. Like I, you know, it all came back to me. I, I know every, I knew every single song intimately. Um, but then over the years, I have got to the point where I, I don't listen to him at all. He's not someone that comes up in rotation pretty much ever. There's a couple of jam songs on some like running playlists that I've got and stuff like that, but I don't run yeah. anymore. So I don't really hear them. Um, <laughs> I think he was kind of, and I think I'll, I'll get to why I think maybe I've made a bit of an unfair judgment in ways over the years, but I think he was ousted from my collection along with like Oasis and. And some of that stuff, because I think he he's very tied up with that kind of music for me, just because that was what I was listening to, not because he was, yeah. you know, he is influential to that type of music, but it's not because he was, you know, bringing it out at the same time. It's just that I was listening to a lot of that at the same time. And I actually got to see Weller once, which I was very, very excited about at the time I went to see him at Sherwood forest. So I saw him in this gig in the woods. And oh, I think cool. when I think back to Paul Weller now, I remember being stood in the woods surrounded by white men with a terrible Paul Weller haircut i don't know what it is about yeah. paul weller fans <laughs> yeah. but they all cut their hair exactly the same as him it was just yeah. hundreds of men in leather jackets and shit haircuts so when i think of weller now that's tend to what i tend to be what i think about but um i wasn't sure how i was going to feel about revisiting him um, and i'll be honest it's a mixed bag for me now i think broken stones and wild a, a gorgeous, beautiful, stunning songs that I think stand up really well. Um, I know it's a bit of a cheesy, cli- cliched song, but um, you do something to me that you didn't put on the playlist. I also love. Yeah. Um, I I kind of was a bit sad that that wasn't on the playlist because I would like to <laughs> listen to that. Um, and a lot of the jam songs that I love, then I think they're fun to listen to now. Um, you know, they're enjoyable. I felt quite nostalgic listening to Peacock Suit and Changing Man from the pop from the solo stuff even though I think if I heard them for the first time now, I probably wouldn't like them that much. Um, and to be the total opposite to Sam, um, I'm gonna say that I, I really struggle with Soulful Weller now. I couldn't get into the Style Council stuff again. Um, and I really could have done without that extended version of Long Hot Summer and it's porn music bass It's um, that, a bit too cheesy for me these days. I don't, I don't um, but I think my overall takeaway after spending this this time with, with Weller again is that I've maybe been a bit harsh in my opinion of him since I stopped listening to him. And maybe I've written him off. I do think a lot of what you're both saying about him being quite varied and quite creative and, and and you know, changeable is is a good thing. Um, maybe he's another artist who should, you know, learn when to stop. Um, yeah. From what I've heard of him in recent years, it's not really been great, but... I think he's there's much more to him some, than some of the artists I've lumped him in with in my head I think you know putting the playlist together like this where it is short and um just a few songs from each year does show quite how how much he's progressed over his career so I think yeah I'm not I'm not sure I'm going to go and get um is it Stanley Road the album is that the name of the album that um, I really loved Is one is the one called Stanley Road
0: I think there is something road
1: I think it's yeah, Stanley I think, Road it I has like Stanley a road. bunch of uh,
0: like pictures all over it
1: yeah it's yeah like, that uh, was that collage. was the big weller album for me i would say and i'm probably not going to go and get it out again but it was good to listen to him again and yeah. I, it was nice to be reminded of some of the really good stuff that he's done yeah oh, well, that's great
0: that's great i didn't i also didn't realize you were so into weller yeah i used think to be massively did,
1: into him. yeah
0: and i did yeah like there was a period where i fell off of it like when the similar like when i had enough guitar for a while mm. after like the at the end of the 2010s <laughs> Uh, beginning yeah. of the last decade but then yeah he just he's relentless he just keeps making material and i always give it a listen and it's like you say it, it maybe he needs to call it a day but there's always Fair a close i mean he's kind of earned yeah. it
1: hasn't he i suppose he's kind of earned the right to just yeah that's what you've got to think with these artists sometimes like dylan and stuff they've earned, they've earned the right to just put music out yeah. i
0: suppose
2: have, and I'm, you, I'm quite... have you seen him loads matt
0: no i so i've also i have a funny story about seeing him i've seen him once and it was at Benicassim, and it was the year I went to Benicassim that a, a hurricane hit. And oh, so yeah. he, he was on the stage when it hit Oh shit! <laughs> and, Gosh. and so he cut his, he's played for half an hour and all the, you could see the, the speakers, the PAs were like whipping around <laughs> mm. and he kept like stopping and look at, he looked very unsettled on stage and then eventually they called it and everyone just had to go and hide in their tents. Huh? um and it was yeah it was pretty terrifying uh wow yeah and like i think it was kings of leon was supposed to headline and they uh rescheduled
1: for the well, that's one day. good thing then that's one good yeah. thing
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, um. i missed yeah, and i missed the horrors which made me sad yeah. but yeah yeah so that's the only time i've seen him so i i would like to see him live um
1: yeah, the gig I went to was great. I think the other thing I'd say about that's, again, tied up with that memory of the haircuts is that I, I went to that gig with my mum and my mum's friends, and I think that's another yeah. thing that sort of says something about Weller, doesn't it? You talked about your mum. Maybe it's it's a little bit mum music for me these days, but I don't uh, – that's okay. My mum's got a good taste in music, um, but maybe it's tied up a little bit with that for yeah. me in some ways as well.
0: Are you too, you're too yeah. cool for that, huh? Too <laughs> cool,
1: yeah. I'm all about Roy Gibiv. That's what I'm yeah, doing. That's Roy yeah. Good bit. Right.
0: Well, that's that's us for today. Um, I guess if anyone wants to listen or, or read more of our stuff they should go to pickybees.com. And next time it's going to be the album of the year podcast which we're keeping secret what we're going to listen to. But you should I guess, as well so far from uh, from ourselves. <laughs> so I guess uh keep your eyes out on Twitter and we'll probably uh, tweet out the list close to uh, the release date. Um, probably in a couple couple weeks time um, and that's us well thanks for thanks for listening Cheers, bye everyone. see
1: ya